Welcome to the family trip. Oh, uh, no, sorry, wrong podcast. Welcome to Getting Bear Acquainted. My name's Dave and I'm your host. Today we're getting even better acquainted with the Family Tree podcast, which means today's guest or co-host is Jen Adamthwaite, who is the co-producer of that show. In this conversation, we're talking about what it was like making the second season of The Family Tree, and so it contains lots of spoilers for that show. So only listen on if you're cool with that. The Family Tree is a magical realist podcast drama about family, change, belief and identity. Do please sign up to our Patreon campaign to help us to make our third and final season. And if you haven't listened to the show, then please do. We've put so much time and effort into it and we're really proud of it. And there's two seasons up there now for you to listen to and plenty of time to catch up with them before the show starts up again in 2019. You can find The Family Tree at thefamilytreepodcast.com .co.uk or anywhere that podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet including excitingly Spotify which is one of the few places that you can't find getting better acquainted but the family tree is there anyway that's enough from me I'll hand over to me and Jen So today we're getting better acquainted with season two of The Family Tree, and that means that my guest today is... Jen. ...who is uh, my co-producer on The Family Tree and also my partner in real life. Uh, We're recording in the back garden of our flat in London, where we live at the moment, Uh, although later this year we're probably going to move. And it is uh, one of the really hot days. It's been mm, like, it's humid. It's the second of a few hot days in the summertime, uh, which is interesting because the first time we recorded one of these conversations about the family tree, uh, we had just finished making season one, and so it was the winter, and we were drinking uh, hot chocolate. Whereas now we're drinking iced coffee, uh, and we're we're in the back garden, and it's the summertime. Uh, because the second season of The Family Tree had a very different length to season one. It was not nine months long, whereas season one was three months long, but it had about the same amount of episodes. If you haven't listened to The Family Tree, be aware that there will be spoilers uh, in this episode. And if you haven't listened to the first conversation that we had about season one uh, back last year... Uh, then do go back and listen to it if you want to. Uh, We're not going to retread the ground that we trod in that, so we're not going to really talk about uh, how the family tree came to be. We're going to start today's story in the middle of the book rather than at the beginning of the book. Uh, But what is that book? What is The Family Tree? The Family Tree is a magical realist drama podcast. Um, It's a fiction, obviously, by being a drama but it is told through conversation and presented as if it were true. And it also has a, a, a real-life strand going alongside it where Dave, who uh, plays himself throughout the series, in the fiction <laughs> as well as in the non-fiction, talks to real-life guests about themes and issues that have come up in the 
drama. The first season, which we have spoiled and talked about before, um, was really about a family. It was introducing you to that family, and then in the middle of the series, uh, there was a twist. The initial thing was the mystery of what had happened to the father in the family. But uh, in the middle of that season, we discover that there's a much more kind of magical reality going on around this family, that the mystery isn't really about the father as much as about reality and what it is to be human, I Mm. guess. The thing that affected all of that was that uh, Mark was a changeling. Mark was not Mark. And season two is about exploring what that means and how that has affected the family. Um, And there are various things that happen as a result of that. Fans of the family tree will be happy that there's an aeroplane. When I say, what is it, a helicopter? We're outside, so we've got a helicopter. Normally it's aeroplanes that mess up our sound. Sunday. Fewer aeroplanes on a Sunday. Yeah, but... Doesn't, doesn't helicopters don't pay attention to I hope board. it doesn't just hang around. Uh, changelings are a word that Mark gave to changelings. They don't even... They're not even really, like... In some ways, some of the stories of people who are, are changelings do fit with uh, some of the ideas that people have around fairy t- stories because, you know, Mark, the mystery is solved by us discovering that Mark changed into his own daughter without his wife knowing uh, which of her twin children was uh, a changeling. And what a changeling is in, in our story, although that's, like I say, not the only word for them, the character of me calls them extra human. Uh, there are other words for them like kakuka. Nathan likes to call them swapamajigs. Right, there are a few different names that different characters have for what a changeling is. There's lots of different names for what this this experience, this new reality, this new idea uh, that my character stumbles upon and the family has to deal with what that fully is we don't still know at the end of season two it's not fully clear we're still discovering new things about this reality Um, but one of the things we know is you remember all the things that you've been before Uh, we know that the children of uh, changelings are also potential changelings and they can change Uh, There's been a load of really kind of interesting things that have happened at this point around what a changeling is. So in the first season, we discovered this thing that exists in the world of the show, this thing we're calling a changeling. And that was a series which was really focused on just one family with a few uh, extra characters around the periphery of that family. Um, But it was at its core, it was a kind of ensemble series about a family. Uh, that we kind of nearly ripped apart that family, but we kind of put them back together at the end of season one. Ready to rip them apart again for season two. Right, so we've changed the strategy for having this conversation. We're no longer sat in our back garden drinking iced coffee. Those iced coffees were finished. They were good. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually a rare moment of Jen complimenting her own uh, culinary skills. Normally she's much more critical. (laughs) (laughs) Much more of a perfectionist, uh, which is interesting with the family tree. Uh, With season two, I think we've been less perfectionist. Yeah, definitely, Um, but actually I think that's worked. It's actually been better for the show. Yeah, it really has. We spent a lot longer like worrying and worrying and worrying about every 
edit that we did in season one and listening back we just haven't had the time to listen and listen and listen no i mean it might mean that there are a few things that we've missed but it also means that we probably haven't over well we definitely haven't over edited that's true which, uh, we probably were guilty of a bit in season one yeah so that's a car going past so that should tell you that we're basically we've left our house and we've gone for a walk it's a it's an ominous moment to go for a walk i can already feel the rain starting so uh it is a, a hot day, but it's the kind of heat that gets a cloud, and the cloud uh, wants to make everything a bit cooler. So we're quite looking forward to the rain, uh, but it might be a bit awkward for the recording equipment. Yeah, ideally it won't do that till we get back, but let's see. It's all exciting. It's on a Sunday, so there's actually a lot of people in the street. It's, also an, uh, lot, it's an audio banquet for your ears, <laughs> listeners. So anyway, yes, we decided to change our environment because I was getting a bit kind of... I was finding it a bit difficult to talk about the show. We were both of us struggling to know what level of information we should say about it. And that's like a problem for the show in general. I mean, it's also a strength, but it's a hard show to talk about without sort of spoiling things or giving things away. But also for this, we want to talk about the process and about, you know, a lot of... One of the audiences is the family tree audience and we don't really want to spend a really long time laying out the story to people who already know the story. Although, on the other hand, anybody who's listening who doesn't know the story, that would be useful. But I guess you guys, you should just listen to the show. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Make your own mind up as an audience uh, whether you should listen to this or listen to the family tree first. Um, We're just going to tell you our experience of making the show for season two and how that's been different from season one and how making the show is kind of continuing to change our lives really uh, in good ways and bad complicated ways um, and happy ways because we're pretty pleased with season two Uh, it's been a much longer process than season one probably about a year and a half to make rather than uh, rather than a year we've had a lot more life this time it's been a lot better (laughs) <laughs> right, and we, well, we started and we started making season two, kind of when we were making season one. Right, we started writing it. All three seasons, because we <laughs> we are in the process of making season three now, and all all three seasons really have bled into each other because we've been developing the story from the beginning to the end. We now know what the end is, but because that's been a continual process, it means that there has been bleed for us between seasons that's one of the things that makes it difficult for me anyway to talk about the plot for season two because i'm jumbled up a little bit with season three right and that well that's what's dangerous for us we are we are happy to spoil season two in this conversation but we don't want to spoil season three and often it's really hard for us to to work out how much we've said what's happened yet all of those kind of things uh, it's like that when we're talking to performers in the show like we like we have to keep remembering who's supposed to know what and what this person can know and what that person can know because we kind of tell them their stories a little bit like a murder mystery they only know what their character knows so far that's been fine that hasn't gone wrong at all yet in, well and with with season three there's definitely we've had to we've had to kind of think of different ways of doing that and the, the thing is that the what the issue is sometimes is in terms of managing to schedule things in linear ways for, for performers. Yeah. Okay, it's getting a bit wet for us to be is out. Is it too in. wet for the... Well, if we maybe get under some trees or something. Yeah, well, that is what we're going to do. I it? know, but I'm just saying this is an emergency. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, so our plan 
to go out for a nice walk to clear our heads so that we could focus on having a conversation rather than worrying about how we're presenting the family tree and how we're communicating it. Because that's the thing, when you love something and you really want to tell people how great it is, uh, it's really hard to, to, to do that and feel confident in it. Because it's, I don't know, we're not supposed to love things like that. We're not supposed to love our work as artists. Uh, we're supposed to kind of like be modest and like all of that sort of stuff. But we really love the family tree. Uh, so it really matters to us how we represent it. Um, anyway, at the moment we're representing it in the middle of a rainstorm. Uh, people will have heard some of the thunder. Uh, Jen is wearing a raincoat. I'm not because I don't own one. Uh, that's some thunder. It's actually quite nice. It's just unfortunate that we're trying to record. We're actually sitting on a feature of season three, but we can't talk about that, obviously. That's true. We're in a recording location, for yeah. the, so that maybe that's some serendipity, like the family tree normally gives to us. Uh, so far today, it's felt very unfamily tree-like in how many hitches we've had, which are, we don't tend to have hitches in the family tree. No, we've been really lucky. So we've talked a little bit about how the process has changed this year um, and how it's much more. We've done it in a much sort of less high-pressure way, and we've also been less perfectionist. It's hail, hail for for rain, rain enthusiasts. It's, uh, oh, it's actually wow. hailing. It's properly, they're quite big hailstones. This morning I went for a run and I was so hot in the sun that I actually had to give up. And now it's hailing. It might just stop and then we can continue with the plan of walking. It is brightening up. If only the world was like a magical realist thing and you could actually make the rain stop with your optimism. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the case. I mean, it is an oak tree, right, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is an oak tree. We are on an oak tree. They're all oak trees. And we have not yet, touch wood, had any outdoor scenes in the family tree that have had rain happen and made them have to happen in different locations. We, we, we always have a... We have done, but we have to have a cancellation on that one anyway. Yeah, we have, like, B plans. Yeah. Like, if we can't do it in this location, we'll do it in that location. But it hasn't happened yet, it's been very serendipitous. Yeah, we've got a few recordings booked in for the next few months for season three, so we'll see if that's if that remains as lucky. Yeah, this is one of the problems, isn't it? You can't control the weather. No. You can plan your entire diary, but you can't actually control loads of factors within your diary. The best hour to record it for us in our day is not going to necessarily stack up with the best hour to record in terms of the weather because we could have done it in like five hours ago it was sunny out on that expansive grass in front of us that is now literally changing into a puddle the grass on our way back we're gonna have to swim at least we're not those people on those bikes in in, in uh, shorts and t-shirts and they look kind of happy i guess it's such a hot day that it probably is really nice to get wet yeah it's only not nice when you've got a microphone and you're worried about that for us it's very hard to we've had this problem recently with making a trailer it's very hard for us to talk about the show yeah because we are so close to it we know it so intimately and it, it's difficult to know what context you need to give but let's just and when know. we're together we know every part of it so we can just zip about and that can potentially make it very fragmented and like hard to follow if you're not us because we're basically one mind in terms of the show like we spend a lot of time talking about it like 
you are like the person who like records it in the book and like notes down how it is and I'm like the person who's often acting in the actual scene so we're the, the least objective people to talk about this show but if we avoid talking about the plot and talk instead about the process and the way it's changed from the way we did season one then we should be alright so apart from the fact that we've done it in a different time frame there's also the way we talked a bit about how we were less perfectionist this time the way we edit it now is different anyway isn't it like we, I remember we talked about it in the first conversation that it had been a massive learning curve for me learning how to edit right. one of the things that I learned on that learning curve was how long it takes me to edit and how difficult I find it so one thing that we did for season two was we went to a new model of you doing all the editing right um, because you are much better at it um, and it doesn't take you anywhere near as long. No, although arguably it's kind of a false economy in some ways, but it does make sense. That because I'm a freelancer, I can find the time to edit it uh, within my schedule, although it means that I don't get work because I'm busy editing the family tree, so maybe we, we ultimately lose money. Yeah, maybe but the thing do. is, you've got a limited amount of time around your work, and so you just can't fit it in in the same way. No. And you don't, as you say, you don't do it as quickly as I do. I've been doing it for years and years and years. I mean, literally, I've been editing audio since we met, probably, about the year after we met, I started it. And uh, it we've been together 17 years. Two or three days, I think, wouldn't it? To do an episode in the summer last year when I was doing them. And you can do that in at least half the time, if not right. more. And, and also, I lost two. <laughs> that's true. You did have the terrible experience as an editor of losing audio work and having to do it again. So you've had the baptism of fire, and this time we kind of decided to stop burning you yeah. and uh, actually make it so that it worked. But also, like, so basically it all did come in a way from the fact that we changed the time scale. So we were releasing it over nine months, and we were releasing it in real time. So that changed the narrative, actually, in a big way. Like, the, the story's happening to the characters as you hear it, whereas in season one the character of me had crafted and manipulated the audio um, in order to present it but I'd known everything when I was sitting down to edit it whereas in this season the character of me is sharing things as soon as they happen and also I'm not always the one who's the main person behind the the episode sometimes other characters in the world of the show they're the ones who've edited it or other characters are the ones who are interviewing and I'm just there for the ride or not there at all in a way you're less and less involved and for season two that's going to be even more true Right. Than you were in season one. In season one, you had complete control of you. I'm talking about the character of you. Had complete control of the show. Um, whereas now, it's gone completely beyond the control of Dave the character. Well, that's partly because the character of me is, was grappling bet- in between season one and season two with the ethics of what I'd done in the first season. Um, and so in season two, I, the character of me is making a much more concerted effort to democratise the show, to mean that that this new uh, thing that we're discovering of changelings, that they're not just uh, they're not just for me. They're they're actually individuals who are changelings, and they should get to shape their own narrative. And I'm grappling with that as someone who's stumbled upon it, who is not a changeling. Which, of course, is the other big thing about season two, and is that we've opened the world to beyond the family. We've got new characters, new changelings, um, new ways of understanding what changelings are. And all of that also sort of contributes to the fact that you're, you're, the character of you couldn't craft it in the same way. 
right. Those kind of stylistic decisions, it's hard to say which came first, the practical decisions or the stylistic decisions. That's quite often how the family tree goes. We find ways to make the practical decisions we have to make make sense within the the world of the show so we decided to to make it happen as and when we had no release schedule with the first series we had like every monday and every friday i think it was uh episodes would come out whereas with this it was like the uh, the character of me was saying well i don't know when things are going to happen but when they do happen i'll share them with you Uh, and that meant that that took the pressure of us in terms of deadlines it meant we could move things around where we needed to uh, it gave us more flexibility and it also meant that because there was only four maximum episodes coming out in a month it gave me more time I did, we didn't set aside like with the first season we set aside our entire summer and just edited for the whole whole month of editing um, whereas with this we probably I put in more hours probably editing but it was over nine months yeah and you know we were recording at the same time as we hadn't. Rec- I was, we'd put out episode one of the Family Tree season two before we'd recorded a lot of the rest of the season. Like we were recording as we were going along. Like sometimes it was very close to the to the knuckle. Like sometimes it was like. Which wasn't to say that we didn't know what was happening. We knew the story. It was all very planned out. The character meetings had happened. We'd you know met with all the actors and developed each story, and we knew where it was going to come. But we didn't necessarily record it in advance. Unlike season three, which we were recording entirely in advance. So again, the process, when we have this conversation next year, or the year after, whenever it will be, the um, process will be very different. Again. Right. Yeah, the, the process is continually evolving because what we're doing in the show is continually evolving. The stories that we're telling, they like within, with season two, we've got into a lot of different genres. It's not just uh, the main conversation genre uh, that was the first season was based on, which was very much based on how getting better acquainted is. Uh, in season two, we've had Thought Adventures, which is a little bit more like a, a magazine podcast, like Answer Me This or something like that. The, the, they, they, they have a, a schedule of what sections they want to do and they have like stings for the different sections and they are just talking about their thoughts and they have a different objective than what the family tree is doing. But at the same time, underneath all that, we're telling story parts for the actual main that, family tree. That's been interesting in terms of listeners, hasn't it? Because not everybody thought that listening to that was important to the narrative um it turned out <laughs> right and they those people who did that who avoided listening to it for that reason uh, would have missed things that came out to be really important right later and we've also had like kind of a thriller episode which was kind of done as a message that was left um, and that would that involved going out into the world and getting our performer to run about and 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 be somebody on the run uh, and all of that, that stuff. That was really interesting, wasn't it? Because we had literally... <clears throat> she was running um, not... Well, we, she was in our vicinity, but we weren't hearing what she was saying as she was as it was happening. So we were... She would record a bit and then come back to us. And she would send it to, to it. us on signal. Yes, that's right. And, and then, then we would, we would be it, listening to it when she arrived back to ask for notes. And then we would say, like... Well, mostly we would say, that's amazing, keep doing that. Yeah. And then we kind of edited it together in the end performance out of a lot of different takes but that was really i mean we we talked last season about how it was all planned but certain things will be under our control a character might say a thing or not say a thing that but in this case it was really beyond our control like we didn't know what she was saying until after she said it right 
and there's been a lot of that like we've had to change the way we've recorded for season three as well because there's lots of different ways and stories that we're telling um but with season two we were already started doing that we had scenes uh that were set in the amazon rainforest so we had to get a soundproof uh place to set up a tent and then we had to get a sound designer uh, andy goddard who did a really great job of making the sounds of the amazon in the background um, and and we had so we had like challenges like that, and we we had like episodes where you know Beach and Melanie talked to each other, so they were set up in a, a different format from the main uh, main show as well. So there were loads of different genres we were bringing in, and also as we were bringing in new changelings, we were we were doing what we're calling uh, trying to go full sense eight in terms of uh, getting more and more continents involved and different backgrounds and um, places to say that being a changeling is not a a singular experience from one culture it's a cross-cultural experience and lots of different people have different interpretations of what it means and so we've had voices from all over the world um, for season two which was a challenge it was we we spent a lot of time trying to get specific actually we were trying to be more specific than we ended up being weren't we we were trying to get people from specific places and we did get some of those people but then we also found people who were maybe not from the original places we were trying to get, and so it's it's been much more natural. Right. I mean, we had a good we we the, the good the the good thing was we wanted it to be intercontinental, but we didn't. Uh, it didn't matter which of those continents we hit first or whatever. So with season two, we might have gone out aiming for someone from one part of the world, but we couldn't get that, and we instead got someone from another part of the world. But we were led by our own policy, which we had uh, since season one, uh, which is the policy that if someone's playing kind of white British characters, they can uh, be of any background, uh, because that's a default that we're all very familiar with. We've all kind of grown up seeing art that represents white people. Whereas if you're from any marginalised background, which doesn't just include race, it also includes gender and and class and all sorts of things like that, then we wanted people to play those characters who knew those Mm -hmm. experiences. A a really good example of that is Giselle, because um, who played um, Violeta, because she brought the whole Candomblé in, and it, we right. wouldn't know. We didn't know anything about Candomblé before. I, d- I didn't hadn't even heard the word before we met with her and talked about it. And there's no way we could have written that um, right. without her. So it, that's a really good illustration, I think, of how important it's been to get the things that we want to represent really represented by people well it's kind of what my character is doing in season two is one of the things we tried to do in the show of like of, of making it a co-created experience making different kind of perspectives part of the writing not just part of the performance like we're not getting uh, we're not a, like trying to represent diversity by 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 us writing the parts for lots of different people from different ethnicities we're saying come in and write with us this is your process too which well, I think in a way it's less great. about representing diversity and more about incorporating diversity right. right obviously we would like to represent it we want to represent it through doing it having those different voices from from different c- communities across the world was great and people who had different backgrounds but it was also um, challenging to find those people in a way they hadn't been before because we were suddenly hamstrung by having to actually find people uh, for those parts in a more specific way than we had before. So In a way that's one of the reasons we bled into season three because we didn't find everybody straight away for season two so we sort of switched some stories around didn't we so that so some that of the stuff that was everything. going to originally be in season two is in season three. Um, 
all the plot is still there, but just kind of where it comes out and what, what its role in revealing information is has changed. And it's a very specific set of skills that we're looking for in performers. They need to also be writers or creators. They need to be good at improvisation. They need to be uh, comfortable talking as another character for an hour. And so, you know, that's been part of the challenge as well as finding, you know, very specific kinds of people who have a very specific kind of skill set. And then they also have to be prepared and interested to work with us. They have to be interested in the show happy with the amount of money that we can afford to pay them um, and just generally like on on side and interested in what we're doing and the other thing in season three we we changed uh, how we did the cuttings in some ways as well so they're longer but there's less of them Uh, and we again I kind of wrote those more I did more in terms of the cuttings maybe for this season although I think we did more almost entirely you we we did the questions together didn't we we did the questions together we chose the guests together we talked about it a lot together and then you also you heard all of the pieces and gave notes and made changes and occasionally there was cuts that were made and occasionally there were new things that were done so I think that we did do them together actually actually also I was there for some of the interviews you actually interviewed some I actually did do some interviews the religious leaders and um Marlo Mack yeah, I was there for. Yeah, you were there for the for the interviews. I think you were more of a part of them than you think. But definitely, I did more of the kind of just like I went away and put it together, and then came back and said, "What do you think?" Um, and then again, I did less of the writing for the narrations. You wrote the narrations for this season because you were. It was much more about plot, yeah, and less about character. The narrations this season. But you rewrote. I wrote them, but you then sort of improvised around them to get the character element in. Although I did get quite good at writing you, I thought. <laughs> yeah, you did. I mean, also, I, I, like, I wouldn't know until I did a, a narration how exactly the, my character felt anyway about it. It was only when I did a narration where I was like, oh, shit, I'm actually sad for this one. Or, oh, actually, I'm, 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 I feel this kind of a thing in this. And it's always the way, like, when you're imagining it, it's the same with the characters. Like, you imagine it in advance and you think about like the big picture things, the, the big ideas. And then you get to it and you're like, oh, practically, this is how I'd feel. And that often means that the performers don't, don't say what we expect yes, them to say. Uh, because... Again, uh, Violeta is another... She seems to be coming up a lot as an example. But her... We've, well, actually, I'm not going to say exactly what I was going to say then. The, the, the story we thought she was going to tell it became very clear very quickly that her character was not going to tell that story. Right. Um, she had a lot of other things to say, and she, uh, uh, Violeta did reveal information that furthered the plot, but the actual sort of contained story that we, sh- we thought she was going to tell, clearly her character w- wouldn't have done that. Right, and that's an example of what's happened with, with, with all of the characters in both seasons, really. There's been frequent times when uh, when the characters have, have have done different things than we expected uh, and with season two we've given them even more freedom to do what we didn't expect because I've not even been there to control it although no. that said the character of me has had to do a lot more um, 
a lot more in the moment acting because I did know everything in season one. Yes. So when I was doing narrations in that, it was much more manipulative within the character. Whereas in this season, it's been more raw. Like I've I've had like my own doubts about whether I should even be putting the show out that my character has had, and I've got very angry with characters and shouted at them. Yeah, you've had much more emotional scenes to do this this year. Yeah, and I've had to like show my anger, which has been quite a weird thing because I'm playing myself. It feels much more. Like it, much more revealing than if I was to write a, a character that was angry, which I've done, or if I was to perform a character who is, who is angry and draw on my own anger. That that th- those things I've done, but but being myself and owning it and being like putting out into the world, this is how angry I can get, and this is how depressed I can get and sad. Although I don't know if I fully showed the the absolute depth of depression, no, my, no. my depression. Well, stages. you can't in a way because you wouldn't be having that conversation. Right. Well, I think that it was realistic in that if I did get him better acquainted, but if I do get him better acquainted when I'm depressed, I that's, that's, function. Yeah, I still yeah. function because I'm a coper, and so my character was depressed, but like more less coping than normal. But, but you still wouldn't a bit, be having a conversation in right. a darkened room. There was like, a percentage of coping yeah. involved in yeah. my character that meant that I didn't have to show the but full darkness of whatever of me. It's interesting because I don't think in season one you would have been as well equipped to do that as you were for season two because you, I think in a way, you found it less stressful before the episodes you've had to record this season than you did in season one, although the demands on you were higher in a way for season two. It was sort of a training ground for you to be ready for to do that in a way. Well, I think we're both much surer in the process generally and we've found ways to get it working for us together. Like We have a bit of a ritual, don't we, before a recording room, Right. Where um, we, we need to not really be together because we've got different things that we need from a morning before a recording. Right. So the, the way for it to work best is for me to get out of the house and not talk to you and go for a run um, and for you to pace around the house stressing (laughs) which I don't need to see pacing around the house stressing is an important part of my process but it's a part of my process that gets in the way of Jen's process because she just sees the stress and that adds to her stress what she needs to do is chill out and get to a kind of more less stressed state Whereas what I need to do is, is be stressed because I'm performing. Yeah. Uh, and performance means that you have to have, or a lot of people have, or I have, I should do, use an I statement, but to perform for me, I need to have some nerves to, to, to play off. Like it's called, you know, that's, that's, that's what most performers, I think, would, would agree that there is an element of like being afraid of, am I going to do it right? And our performers have that. Yeah. Like definitely they reveal that generally after they've recorded rather than before. And no doubt they've all got their own process before they come to a recording. Right. You know, we don't see them in that That we phase. don't know about, yeah. We, we, where we all meet, we'll have a conversation for half an hour, an hour, get everything set up and then we'll go into the recording and that's the process that we all have together but we know that we've got our own process before that and I'm sure they have all got a range of processes that they go through before and after yeah because we have an after process as well usually we if we're at home we go for a walk and if we've been recording on location we walk back and we talk about everything that's happened well big chunks of season three were written uh, like because we already had the arc for season two and season three in our minds when we finished uh, when we were finishing season one we kind of got the full arc in the middle of season one we re- but but when I say a full arc, that's not fully... 
that's not fully demonstrable because we we had a full arc for the family but the full arc for the show came somewhere in the middle of season two after we'd recorded the amazon scenes uh, with joz and michael uh, in the like in someone's basement uh, over in greenwich uh, area i was just gonna say where was it? it was greenwich and then we walked back home to leytonstone from greenwich which is a maybe three-hour walk or something. Right. And we stopped off at uh, a city farm. I can't remember which one. I can't remember what it's called. But we basically spent the whole... Oh, yeah, that's right, the one at Mudshoot. Mudshoot Farm, that's right, which is a great farm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we had a great day, but we also really seriously plotted the entirety of the rest of the show really yeah and and again generally the 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 arc of the three seasons when people say like did did you know where it's going all the time it's it's true to say yes but it's also true to say no because both of those things are true like some characters demanded that they came back Yes. In different in different ways, and so p- from people's performances, we've learned what they can do, and then we're like, right, they can do this different thing that that we hadn't thought that they might be able to do before going in. And uh, we were asking a lot of like new characters uh, with this series as well. They had to kind of come in fully in the magical world, rather than you know the family and and Beach all started off more in real circumstances because they were disguising the the reality of what they were experiencing whereas in season two the people have had to come in and be like completely okay with the weirdness from the start definitely it's made for much much weirder character meetings because the character meetings with the family we were developing human characters and then we were getting them to deal with a thing whereas in this in season two we've been developing characters who are human but who have this extra level to them which is otherworldly um which has got to go in from the beginning right um speaking of walking and talking we might be able to walk i think we maybe could i should because i'm really wet well one Um, of the reasons we decided to record outside walking was because we do write so much of the show when we're walking but the difference is when we're together normally and we're talking about this stuff we don't have a microphone we don't have to think about how we're presenting what we're doing we're normally just walking and getting excited by ideas um and kind of bouncing off each other and that's an interesting thing some of the performers in this in this season have said uh that we work really well as a team and we we kind of like finish each other's sentences and work like a kind of machine and that's funny to us because we don't feel like that's how we experience our relationship because we have arguments like anybody else and it's taken us a really long time to come up with that process that works for both of us. But I guess that's what they're seeing. We have come up with that, and it does work. Right. So what we end up with, we, we may have... Before we figured out what the way to, to deal with the pre-recording uh, situation, we did still get to the right place, just via a couple of arguments and right. whatever. But we, <laughs> only, but we presented, but we to, only presented to people, the, yeah. Because we still got to the unified front just in a slightly more complicated, messy way than was ideal for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> for, us. for us. But we never showed other people that. No. But at the same time, I, I also think there's... There, again, it's like when you say, like, initially I hear that statement and I'm like, no, that's not quite right. Well, you know, we're two separate individuals who don't actually have a shared mind. That's very true. But with this show, we're two individuals who spend a lot of time knowing each other's mind very intimately uh, like not just within the show but also in our our personal lives and so we do have a shared language 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, uh, while we don't have one brain, we do, as far as the family tree is concerned, we do have two brains that function as one brain because we both have flawed brains. Uh, <laughs> and luckily, they're flawed in different ways. Right, that's true. <laughs> so where I forget what's going on and uh, what, the, what the actual plot <laughs> currently is, Dave's able to fill me in on that and I can go, oh yeah, right, I remember what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and do it <laughs> right but then you have other things that you bring like you haven't got a, naturally a very good memory although you are the person who's in charge of of making sure everything has continuity in the show well I think that I'm uh, equipped to do that because of because in my life I've got no memory I've had to have strategies to deal with that um, and generally that's by keeping copious notes and doing a load of work that's not necessary uh, for other things, um, which means that keeping the book and noting all the, the things significant and, and insignificant is a natural thing for me to be doing. So that's worked really well, hasn't it? Right. And, and, like, that's, and that's it. And whereas my issues in terms of my brain are more to do with uh, having depression and anxiety, um, which are things that do sometimes get in the way of making a show and are definitely difficult things to negotiate when you are two people in a relationship dealing with one of you having mental health issues but you're also two people in a relationship making a show together and sometimes you're having to be in a situation where you're like well as your co-producer we need to get this done <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh sometimes you're in a situation where you're like well as your partner this i think you need to right take now. some time <laughs> off now right yeah <laughs> yeah both of those sentences have been said in some yeah, way or in some way or another and, and so it's interesting we, we, we have kind of very much connected our relationship and our lives with making this show in fact the reason that we're already making season uh, three and we were recording that even when we were making season two is because we are moving this year from London and so this is the place where most of our cast are this yeah. is the best place to record so we have to record it here and then we'll, we'll edit it in the next location when we've moved which is also really useful from the point of view it's, it's going to be stressful. We're going to have whole lives to set up in a different place. Um, obviously, there'll still be the editing, but just having that material and that, that level of organisation doesn't need to be involved yeah. in the uh, rest of all the organisation that we're going to be needing to do in our lives. Right, it's there. We've already started it. It's like they say, like, don't stop at the end of a chapter, right? Like, stop it in the middle of a sentence instead. Yeah. And we've stopped That's in the middle of a sentence, and, and so we'll carry it on regardless, because we want to finish it. And, it. and what it's meant is that we've been able to... I remember at the start of season two, the uh, start of recording season two, as thinking, or me especially thinking, I don't know how we're going to do this. This is a massive thing. The Amazon rainforest, for example, we had this idea, <laughs> and we were, <laughs> we were like, but how are we going to do that? And for ages we just kept saying, well, it's all right, we'll deal with it. We'll, it'll, come, it'll, it'll be fine, we'll deal with it. And we did deal with it, and it was fine, and thank you, Andy Goddard. And thank you, Christian, for the lonelier basement. The advantage of going straight into season three is we've got even crazier ideas for season three. And uh, there definitely was like a moment of blind panic of, oh my God, how are we ever going to get this happening? But there was much less of that because we just had to start doing it. <laughs> yeah. um, and so once you start doing it, deadlines. there's no time to panic. You yeah. just have to do it. Right. And it's, it's definitely been an interesting, it's been a definitely an interesting thing uh, negotiating uh, season three, which has so many more ambitions even than season two, at the same time as contemplating moving i mean that's not, not not necessarily the the best idea to combine uh 
we making do, a third do. season of a show and uh, moving house. It is very classic us, though. But it's it exactly is classic the sort us. Of thing that happens to us. I mean, it's quite nice because you get to distract yourself. Yeah. From uh, worrying about moving by worrying about a show. And then and vice you versa. swap around yeah. and you worry about, yeah. It's quite refreshing. You're always worrying, but you can just swap which thing you're worrying about. Yeah, and like getting you to people to know that you make the show too, because like we were talking about it, we are t- very much co producers. We are two halves of, of this entity that isn't just us. Like, the music is such an important part of the show, and that was written initially by Alexander Cameron, but for this season we've had new music from George Lekovitz and, uh, and from George Brufton, who we wanted to make loads of music for this season, but uh, he, never, he didn't have the opportunity to make some, but we took some of his old music that he'd made for a project that I made with him, and that fitted really well with this season. Yeah. And we've also worked with uh, Martin Zolzoswick, who wrote the um, Thought Adventures right. earworm, earworm that the, has bugged the, everybody world. ever since. Um, and in fact, if you're a Patreon supporter, you'll be getting Martin's original sometime soon as oh, yeah, one of your right. bonuses. That's one of the bonuses. Yeah. So we've, and we've worked with those amazing musicians um, who have, I think, created a big part of what makes the show work. And that's not us like that's partly us because we gave direction to those pieces of music but that's very much them as well and the musical identity of the show like i really like that about it it's it's a very diy show but it's got this kind of these beautiful um electronic score it's really beautiful music. yeah the music works exceptionally well yeah and so we've had so we've had the, the, those musicians but we also write it with all of the actors as we've kind of alluded to that it's an improvised show and they're writers so they create uh, the, the episodes as much as we do um, so it is a sort of strange ship that we're steering which isn't just us, it is a kind of collective thing and, and as we said in the, the first time we talked about this but I think it's still appropriate now it does feel like it's creating itself and we're just sort of like the, the people the responsible, we're the caretakers <laughs> running around kind of mopping the floors and it's, yeah. and it's deciding what, what, what building, what the building looks like. In fact, like. actually, there's been, apart from writing the narrations, there's actually been less actual writing for season two. There's a bit more coming for season three, but in season one we had the letters and the newspaper articles. Right. Um, season two really has been a lot more about the creation with the actors. Um, well, it hasn't been more about that, but it just that's where the focus has been. There has, I don't think there's been any, has there? Um, external I, writing yeah I mean it depends what you mean we, we wrote plans for scenes in more detail yes with but the I mean actual episodes. that's true but actual <laughs> hello there's a little puppy coming towards us who's very wet and cute <laughs> but wet <laughs> <laughs> hello <laughs> <laughs> He was a very nice puppy. He was a very nice puppy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, we're we're steering this big ship, and it's created by all of these people, and it feels like it's creating itself. But that's not fair to us completely, because we are the people who came up with it, uh, and it is our ship. We did kind of design it, and we did. It was both of us. Yes. But the show has within its own structure. Um, the fact that we present it as if the, I'm making the show on my own um, and Jen just comes in for the credits uh, at the end to tell you it's a fiction. Um, but That's like, a new addition for season two. That is, an, that is a new addition for season two. We're trying to make it even more clear <laughs> that it's fictional. 
Um, but you're, the, the big problem still is that it's very hard to get people to know that you make the show. Yeah, we still get emails to you, don't we? Um, which uh, makes sense, but sometimes makes me go, but I'm here too! Right. Um, it- we had a lot of fun, actually. Actually, that is something where we have been actually writing, was the Twitter accounts. That's true, um, that was where the writing <laughs> came this season. Yeah, that, that is true, I'd forgotten about that, but um, I was segued into thinking about it because um, the... Uh, me being my existence we're separated by a big puddle there guys sorry (laughs) my existence um and my constant sort of battle to kind of to to maintain the fiction of the show but also to be recognized uh we had a lot of fun writing about that from the point of view of nathan from thought adventures didn't we with him um interacting with my real life twitter handle suggesting that's, that I might be fictional and Dave might have made me up. Yeah, that's true. And making those two accounts, because we made two fictional accounts for this season, uh, and we wrote uh, tweets from them in characters, they influenced the show. The things that we tweeted about, then we fed... That was another way of cr- creating the world that fed back into itself. We had uh, Nathan sort of posting pictures of Jaguars from the beginning really didn't we before um, right right before we I mean, we, we were trying to not go overboard on that because we didn't want it to be too to big give a clue it away. but we do hope that anybody who was following those did enjoy the fact that Nathan clearly did have a thing for Jaguars before the Jaguar issue ro- arose in the fiction and that was where I mean the fact that we created those Twitter accounts was partly represented a change that we made in terms of how we approached the se- show in this season anyway in that we just did not have the time, unfortunately, to do the same level of publicity of, of, of social media, of tweeting no. um, that we did for the first season. Um, and that's a frustration for us because we want as many people to, to listen to the show as possible. But it's, you, you kind of have to, you have to just know your limitations, the, what two people can do around work commitments because you, you have a, a full-time job, but I have um, a, a freelance career that I am supposed to also mm. earn money from. Uh, and the family tree covers itself and in some ways, but also, it does not cover me, no. <laughs> so we, or our rent. But so. we also have, um, no, it doesn't at all. It, it covers <laughs> itself in that it pays, the Patreon pays the performers and the people who work with us but it doesn't pay us no um at all so and we definitely could do with more people signing up for the patreon account so if you are somebody who is listening to the show or wants to listen to season three or wants to help us to make season three then do sign up for the patreon account because as jen mentioned earlier on you do get lots of perks there's nice kind of you get you can get an acorn from the uh, the oak tree you can you, you can get access to clips that weren't in the show and uh, uh as as uh, jen said martin's original song will be there uh, for people to hear it very soon so there's lots of things that we offer to people in exchange for becoming a patron a patron a patron a patron I call people patrons when I write the patron emails <laughs> do you <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a bit like me using the nose part when I do a smiley like it means, <laughs> yeah. it means we're kind of like trying to be down with the kids but we don't quite understand how yeah I think it was a mistake to begin with but then uh, I just stuck with it we decided to do marketing less um, but we decided to where we did do it we decided to make it fun and creative and play to our strengths uh, and that was why we decided to set up twitter accounts that were in the characters and they were a lot of fun um, 
Although they were also a bit of a burden at times, weren't they? Because we would, you know, we may have just about had time to release an episode, but then we'd realise that really Nigel or Nathan needed to be talking about it for right. a while and we, we wouldn't be any time or whatever. Yeah, it needed to be referenced in the feeds or whatever yeah. because this thing happened or that thing happened. But they were a lot of fun and we had a, a lot of fun writing them. And they helped us to write, the, yeah, they helped us to make the show. They helped us to think about the show. They just became part of the project part of the process and that's kind of how the family tree generally has been we fold things and people into the process like if somebody's playing a cameo like somebody did in this season Kathy Elliott had a cameo mm. uh, I would say that Kathy didn't just have a cameo Kathy also helped to write elements of that episode helped to uh, make that episode feel real and like so she was part of the co-creation um, and it, you know when we go out on location we fold in things that are there into the show or we like buy things on the day quite often for like props or whatever that we only just thought of in that moment so there's a lot of like in the moment improvisation in terms of the writing the creation of it as yeah. well as in the actual performance like and the way sometimes we frame that it. comes out really serendipitously like when um, in the amazon again when nathan lost the compass he really did lose the compass it's a very small compass um, <laughs> right uh, but that was that was really that's exactly the sort of thing that would happen to nathan right. but it only happened because it happened right or in the there's a scene where uh, the tea is spilled um, and that's because the tea was spilled yes um, but it gives this the beginning of the scene this kind of chaotic feel um, that I think works really well kind of dramatically there's a lot of that really uh, when you go out on location or you record in real places there's lots oh, of oh, or the pineapple. do you remember when um, Melissa and Melanie uh, I think it was Melissa um, was talking about the environment and said that pineapple could be a changeling and then suddenly that was because we had a pineapple in the house and she, right. she saw it in she her line of sight it. and then suddenly we had to contend with the fact that Jane bizarrely had a pineapple on a sideboard in a living room that's it like so the, 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 all of these things they feed in and then a big part of what you do is you write down all of the things that come up and then you tell people to feed them in and then that puts, makes it into this kind of patchwork of 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 story yeah. um, means that kind of everything fe- feeds into everything else um, and you know that's that's what makes the show really exciting but in this season it's also it's opened up as well as kind of connected like it's such a, a larger canvas there's more things going on there's more things than just the family like that we've we've been cre- kind of creating this kind of this larger world and history around the around the show and a, and a part of that has been about kind of creating this mysterious organization that is watching changelings and trying to to kind of control changelings potentially or like try to censor changelings we don't really know and and that has was partly because we just didn't have anybody ring in in season mm. 1 um, because we were asking audiences a lot, really, in terms of how to rig in. Um, but we wanted to kind of cover that by saying, like, like people were trying and they were failing. It wasn't working. And yeah. the, the, we also had this joke in season one where I would say, Google it a lot for things that you couldn't Google. And then we were like, well, what if we made it actually realistic that if you tried to Google it, uh, it wouldn't be there because someone was trying to get rid of it from Google. What could do that? But it was also because the show happens in in the world and the world is would not be 
a safe place for changelings no, fully? No. So I mean, that, we and had that to is taken that. from what's going on in the world now. Right. Really, the, really, changelings could be a metaphor for a number of things that really are happening for people for whom it really isn't safe to be right. in the world. So, so imagining what if you were this person who is other um, in whatever way is considered other... What if? How would that work? That's not really a massive leap of faith. Right. Well, that's what we've covered in the cuttings, really. We've like gone and spoken to real people with real struggles that are happening you know, around the way that people see people that they consider different. Um, and that's fed into the kind of context, the wider world around the show. Yeah. But it's also like, yeah, we couldn't make a thing about changelings in this political moment and not like worry about how the state would treat changelings or how people would treat changelings I think maybe a, a different, in different years a few years ago we might have thought might differently have. or we might have like decided not to cover this stuff not that it wasn't happening or it may not have been the focus perhaps I don't know it's so so much a focus in in the world in our not in our everyday lives in that we're you know very lucky in our position in the world but um, in the in the in the world happening around us, it's you you can't live a day without knowing about it and having that in your consciousness, and so it was very natural for that to be a focus of the show. Right. I mean, and that, again, that kind of comes from what you do when you take the ideas out of the box and you put them into the real world, and you kind of go, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh fuck, that's how people would think about a changeling. Yeah, that's like what that's would how this like it wouldn't be safe in that kind of way um and yes like that's been an interesting part of like broadening the show exploding the show into all of these different directions um and then hopefully by the end of the season bringing all those parts again back together in a sort of similar way that we did in season one with the family we sort of tried to bring all of the threads together it's not it's not like in season one ends with the family coming back together. Season two does not end with um, a, a good, successful situation, no. but all of the different threads come together. Um, in fact, we've left the threads do come together, but we've very much left it in a place that would be. I mean, I think if if we hadn't been avert about the fact that there is a season three, I think it's fairly obvious that there is going to be. Right. That's not where we would choose to leave a full plot. Yeah. We've left it on a deliberate, um, maybe not a cliffhanger, but a, a, an open door. Yeah, it's almost like, yeah, like it's almost like it was almost a cliffhanger, but actually like, it was going to be, wasn't it? It was. It we was, only we it was only a very it. last minute decision that we put um, Nigel's phone call into the last episode. That's right. That was going to be the beginning of season three, and and, then and the Amazon we, clip, the second Amazon, Amazon clip, clip that we're all going to be for season three. But when we what ifed it, um, we realised that that. That probably isn't what... The character in me wouldn't leave wouldn't it, it on a cliffhanger. No. Exactly. It wouldn't have... And also, the, the idea was that we didn't want it to be... We had to make it plausible as well that real time happens. And so we can't have it ending on a cliffhanger and that not happening in real time. Like, when we come back... Yeah. It has to be what's be happening now. Yeah. So if we'd have left it like we don't know what's going to happen, then we'd have had to have me come back and tell him what happened when it happened in the real time. And also the boat, I mean, that was why we did that, but the uh, serendipitous effect of that was the tragedy that you then really see in that episode of the fact that Ben and Melissa have gone to the Amazon rainforest 
and the audience know that while they're doing that and putting themselves in danger um, <laughs> it's pointless it's pointless yeah. Nathan is not there right right it definitely well it, it added to all of those scenes I think in different ways all, all of the three different components of that episode kind of when you hear them all together in relationship to each other it changes how they how Should you we hear need them to do in the back turn? yes please I mean I'm trying to think what we need to cut like what else we need to cover but I don't know if we've done this in a very coherent way I feel like we have I mean I know we got off to some false starts but I think everything that we've actually done has been pretty yeah no that's fair I mean I'm just in a bit bit less of a kind of confident place uh, for myself in this moment in time I guess uh, life for me when I'm not a character feels much less secure and uh, certain um, when I'm playing the character of me on the family tree I've got bigger issues to be worried about like I'm so obsessed with the fact that I've just found out a fundamental thing is different about the world. Like, that's my main character motivation. Yeah. Whereas when I'm not playing me, there's no real... You know, changelings aren't real. So uh, I've got to actually find some other things to to make my life work. (laughs) But I think this is... uh, Yeah, I think this is your... Agreed that there's a bigger editing job than you would have liked here, and uh, there's probably a lot more to cut out than we planned. But at the same time, I think that where we've, I think the conversation has rolled really fine yeah. around the things that we did want to hit. Maybe we've missed a couple of things, but does it matter? Not really. No, I mean, what's the purpose of these these chats? I guess it's to document how this process of making an audio drama when you're kind of two independent producers, how that goes, what that's like. Like, to oh, demystify it to a certain definitely. extent and show actually what it's actually like. And actually, I think you saying that has made me think of something else that you wrote on the list that we um, perhaps wanted to cover, which was uh, talking about the family tree in a public setting, which we did at the on the podcast panel at Goldsmiths oh, recently, that's right. didn't we? Yeah, we did a panel. And that, well, that's part of making you more visible. We've done yes. quite a few podcasts uh, where we've been guests on other people's podcasts. You've been guest on your own on podcasts and you've like also now done a panel and I'm totally comfortable with that as well now it's weird being a guest on po- other people's podcasts the panel I was not comfortable with I totally freaked out but when I, in the moment I was very very calm I surprised myself um, and it went fine didn't it it did it went really well and uh, yeah I, I said lots of controversial things about the BBC uh, and everybody loved it um, <laughs> hopefully the BBC will still give me work in the future uh, if they ever are interested I am prepared to uh, get involved (laughs) Um, but that was an interesting thing like it's generally it's been interesting watching you as an introvert kind of grapple with these like you want the credit because you should have it Um, so because you want that credit you have had to push against the boundaries of you being an introvert in ways that you've steadfastly refused to throughout our entire relationship until this moment really yeah i mean it's great for me um professionally to develop that because that is something i wanted to do wanted being the a, a weird word because wanted in the sense that i felt like i needed to achieve it if i want to hopefully someday my life be a writer yeah. rather than somebody who has to work doing other things in order to write i will need to be able to deal with speaking in public and such like and so that's been really important for me to learn those skills and do this now doing this um and i feel like that's helped the family tree and me be recognized for the family tree but it's also really helped me um and my sort of 
progression in the career I want to have. Right. And also seeing that like you are like you have got things to say about things and it's okay like like because part of it is that you're an introvert and so why should you have to be an extrovert there's no reason why you should have to be an extrovert no but that's the thing i think susan kane says it in her book it's not about being an extrovert it's about go do the thing you're still an introvert right but you're just going to do the thing i do find it incredibly exhausting that day of the, the podcast um panel there was so much social interaction and and talking at people and to people that I was just totally wiped out afterwards right um, but that's okay like that's just a thing I I wouldn't want to do that with every day of my life that's not how I'm going to structure my life right and, that's fine. and social interaction yeah like th- that's the thing it's like when we're talking about the show one of the things we talk about is representation sometimes and like one of the things that it is is about like if we want everything not to be run by extroverts introverts also have to be there they have to have their opinions and thoughts respected and uh like represented and i guess that's one of the things within the show with the character of jane uh which has not always been like some audience members are more suspicious of jane than others and that that i think is because she's an introvert and she's very much based in some ways on you and on your like on on introverts you know and so like it's interesting how people react to that idea of somebody who is not like being all out there with everything they think like yeah. somebody who's like a bit more reserved a bit and more also melanie close. is a bit like yeah. that as well yes she she doesn't always want to oh, yes. be involved in and say she doesn't want to not in the same way that violita didn't want to reveal her story just just she's she doesn't want to talk all the time no <laughs> that's right it has been a show with characters that don't just want to talk all the time um, which is, I think is interesting. I'm not sure if um, I had made a show on my own, if that would have been the case. I think that's a, a big part that you've brought to this process. Like, if I have extrovert tendencies, I don't think I'm completely an extrovert. I think I'm an ambivert, but I definitely have extrovert tendencies. I get read as an extrovert, um, and I'm more inclined to, to think about big, showy kind of characters, and you're much more interested in looking at, like, smaller detail like, that's let, one of the reasons that we work well as a team is because we are bringing different things different points of view to the writing table to the performance well not to the performance table because i'm not performing but to the creation process yeah and probably every team should a, a good team probably should incorporate and treat fairly according to what they need introverts and extroverts in order to get a you know a fully functioning team because you need both of those types of people yeah well, and that's it. Like, and also the way we run our team, if you like, if we're going to think about us in that way, is we make sure that it doesn't just fit me, it also fits you. Like this whole thing of you going out and running and me stressing separately. Like that's saying your experience is as important as my experience and both of them need to be respected. Yeah. And like actually, like quite often with extroverts or men, they're more likely to ride over introverts or women's yes. uh, experiences and like needs and like. And it has taken us a couple of seasons to get that down, right. really. It's but taken like, us quite a while to get that down in, in our, our relationship, lives, yeah. let alone in yeah. the show. But both in the show and in our relationship, that's now much more, uh, a much easier line to tread. So the show has helped our relationship. It has. That's one of the many things I guess the show is. I mean, it's 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 definitely been a wild ride and like I, I don't know what like what more to sort of say about the demystification of it to be honest season two has been much easier than season one for us like 
once you start doing a thing and once you do it a lot of times the stress around it goes away Absolutely. and yeah, yeah okay you do set yourself new goals and new things that are impossible to do but they they're not then they're, they're less impossible because you've already done an impossible and we've got an existing team we've brought an existing team with us to season two yes we've got new people involved in that team but you know we we didn't have a whole load of new people to get to know um and whose characters they needed to get to know we had that support from the beginning this time right Um, and so and a lot of problem solving we'd be like oh we we just can't figure this out we just need to talk to one of the cast and then it would be fine right like looking at problems as collective problems rather than individual problems and also like like just trusting that there'll be a solution like we're having that quite a lot with season three like with scheduling like if someone has to cancel just going well we'll we'll just manage to reschedule or we'll just find a solution if we can't like there is always a way of like approaching the problem if you don't go oh god everything's ruined yeah which is really hard for me not to do that's my generally my initial instinct (laughs) but like once you get over that or if you don't if you're lucky enough not to experience that in the first place good on you like it's going like oh right okay yeah what's the solution what's the solution like what what can we do to solve this problem that comes up and also like quite often it's the things that go wrong we said this in the, with the, in the first conversation like people like having to change casting or whatever yeah. at last minute actually meant that season one had real great elements that we wouldn't have had if we hadn't have had, had that problem that came up and it's, it's been the same really with with the cuttings lots of cuttings guests pulled out at times or whatever yeah. we've got new cuttings guests but actually the final pieces that we've got I'm much happier about than they would have been uh, when we were initially sort of sitting down and just thinking of the ideas. Definitely. Like they, 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 and, and that's, generally speaking, um, a thing that, yeah, like that happens on the show <laughs> in, in, across all of its areas is that we sort of like are, are not just incorporating... Like yeah we, we're incorporating mistakes we're incorporating problems like we did that in season one where we had um, the, the part of the big twist in season one really came from a mistake and then we had that with season two that there was another mistake that we made where we we set yes. we set the, the, the potential changelings couldn't uh, sense other changelings and that made sense of course, of course because otherwise Melissa and Nathan would have known that the that Melanie was a changeling yeah so we had to have that not happen but then we forgot that that happened and we recorded the end of the series with potential changelings being able to sense them which we needed for that part of the plot like it was entirely important for Melissa to be able to sense other changelings otherwise why are they going to the animals and rainforest but because that happened accidentally we would never have planned for that to happen but because it happened and it was a problem we actually came up with a really good dramatic reason why it, it had worked that way and it, but we couldn't have planned that right it's only through it happening and having to deal with the problem that right and it, and it in fact solved other problems like because it gave us a reason more of a reason for an episode than we had before like we had more reason for, there was more drama mm. happening and motivation and reason for there to be the conflict in that episode so it yeah it, it's it's funny like I think that, that maybe that's a thing that potential people who want to make shows or whatever should keep in mind that that kind of being open and prepared to sort of like incorporate mistakes adapt things like find out what works um and 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 
and don't be afraid to sort of like change things up or try things like alternatives don't get set to your initial plan uh, if you're working in a way that, like we are, a very guerrilla way, where you yeah. can't control, control things. No. So lean into the fact that you can't it's control It's actually them. kind of very optimistic kind of point of view, really, isn't it? Which is weird, because I'm not a particularly optimistic no, person. Not. No, and am you're I, really? not either. I'm quite a pessimist. Oh, well, no, I am. I'm, I'm you're optimistic, optimistic in attitude, pessimistic. but pessimistic in uh, ideolo- ideology or, like, philosophy. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> De- definitely, definitely, she says. Yeah, whereas I'm much more, like... Um, not optimistic uh, in, in personality particularly um, but also occasionally I am yeah, yeah I'm quite a good believer that's what we think generally like that's how why I'm quite good at performing in the show is I'm good at convincing myself to believe narratives yeah um, so I can be very optimistic one day I guess very that's one of the reasons why day. the show is how it I is I really believe it either way that the, yeah it needed you could, we couldn't have done it if you hadn't been that kind of person because you wouldn't have been able to do it, right? Well, it, and it, well, it, it, I think for both, it, it comes from both of us. Like that's what creating art is. It's, 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 it comes from us, but it also comes from how we interact with the world and how the people that we bring in. It comes from them as well. Yeah. So it's like it comes from everyone. So I, I can't think of anything else that we need to cover, really. No, not really. I think, yeah, we've, I mean, people can make of this what they will. I think it's hopefully of interest. Uh, our thoughts on how the the show's gone. I think in a different circumstance, in a different moment, we'd have a different conversation. But that is the same as the family tree. Yeah, like, that's literally that's exactly what. And you know how our performances were problem solving all that conversation that we were just doing. We've just come. We we tried to do this in the back garden. Didn't really work out. Right. We came and tried to do it walking. That didn't really work out. We ended up sitting under a tree in the thunderstorm. And then finally, we did get there. You know, we incorporated all those things. Um, for better or for worse this is what it is yeah it's real yeah at least and that's kind of one of the things with the family tree isn't it it's it's real like I guess if we were doing it again we might try to make the noise in the background a little bit less real um, in the the Paddington scenes of the last series however it's totally real it's totally what happened and hopefully that the reality of that hopefully lends credibility to the fiction and i think it definitely helped the performance anyway yeah you know when you're in the station you can't help but be whether you feel stressed or excited about traveling if you've got all those train announcements behind you and you you know the bustle of the people you're much more convinced that you're gonna have to rush to catch a train right. or you know and i think both lucy and zach i think their performances probably did benefit from really being there being on location right and so hopefully this conversation has benefited from being on location it's actually quite sunny now, uh, even now. after the hailstorm. It's now really hot again. Kind of miss the rain now <laughs> with the heat. Um, so yeah, that's that's been season two of the Family Tree. We're going to record a conversation like way next year, not 2019, at some point, which will be about season three and wrapping everything up. And uh, yeah, exactly. That season three will be the end. So we're now on our on the final leg of this journey. Yeah, and we want that too. We want to get yeah. to the end of it because it does take over your life. Hopefully, we've, if nothing else, we've communicated that. It has been a brilliant journey, but all good journeys must come to an end. Yeah, and we want to kind of like be able to focus on other things. And that's been really important to us, trying to make an arc which does finish, yeah. does have an end. Anybody out there that thinks we haven't got an end, we do. We very much have an end. It's coming. 
<laughs> in 2019. <laughs> please encourage people to listen. Please um, support the Patreon if you can, if you're in a position to be able to. Um, and uh, we'll make season three happen and we'll finish the story. Or we'll finish it anyway. But really, your help and uh, support would be very much valued. Yeah, and even more important, although not practically to us, but even more important than supporting the Patreon is for you to tell people about the show, like to, to, to get other people to listen to it. It is a big time commitment. I th- think we talked about this in our first conversation. It is something we have to focus on, but it really does give you a lot if you do kind of give to it and there's now there's two seasons out there it's up you can listen to it in your own time there's there's less like am i keeping up you can just listen to it when it's good for you yeah and so do tell people about it get them to listen to it uh if you have any connections to the press uh, in any way tell them about it at the moment we're looking into networks and press um, and we've got some other potential things, exciting potentially things happening. Um, so do reach out to us if you're a network or you're anybody that is in the press and you want to talk to us about what we're doing with this show. Well, not this show. This is getting better acquainted. <laughs> but uh, with show. the family tree. Yeah. And, and I think that's it. We've come to the end. Um, and we're going to say goodbye, right? Yeah. All right. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> you can find the Family Tree podcast at thefamilytreepodcast.co.uk or anywhere that podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet, including Spotify. As we mentioned, we could really do with your help to help us to make season three, so please do consider going over to the Patreon campaign. You pay whatever you want per episode and there are lots of rewards and special features and things that we give to you if you do sign up for the patreon campaign so it's not just in our best interest it potentially is in your best interest certainly if you're a fan of the show it really is in your best interest because you will get the best version of the show that we can make if you give us the money to help us to make it like the family tree you can find getting better acquainted anywhere that podcasts go to hang out on the internet although as mentioned not yet spotify but who knows maybe one day i am going to keep trying to make that happen you can follow getting better acquainted on twitter at gba podcast and you can find it on facebook too where it's the family tree unlike getting better acquainted you can find the family tree podcast on instagram too where it's called the family tree podcast you can contact me on twitter at goosefat101 or you can email me at goosefat101 at gmail.com you can find getting better acquainted at gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk if you want to support Getting Better Acquainted specifically, you could donate through a PayPal link that you can find on the SoundCloud page. But if you want to support Getting Better Acquainted, I prefer you to put that money in to the Family Trees Patreon for now. This episode has not been like most episodes of Getting Better Acquainted. For a start, it's had different music at the beginning and at the end. Normally, it's a conversation between me and somebody I know, and it's more focused on people's life experiences and their ideas and passions and thoughts, and less focused on two co-producers talking about a specific show. So don't expect next week's episode to be like this one, but then again... You should never expect an episode of Getting Better Acquainted to be like the last one because people and conversations and 
locations are always different in the show and that always makes a big difference to what is said and sometimes I put out replayed episodes or I put out extra episodes or I put out episodes where I'm talking on a stage to an audience rather than talking to an individual sometimes there's more than one person that I'm talking to it's a very changeable show which I guess makes sense for somebody who makes a fictional show about change So anyway, that's the end of this week's show. So the last thing that I have to say is, remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted. I am publishing a book through Unbound. Unbound are a publishing company, which means that they don't publish things that they don't think are good and that they edit. The thing that makes them different from other publishing companies is they're half publishing company and half crowdfunding company, which means that the way that the books get published is that people who want to read the books pre-order those books. They can pre-order them as a digital copy or as a hardback, or they can pledge more money to get different kinds of things along with the book that they're pre-ordering. Unbound approached me in December to see if I wanted to adapt my show What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity into a book and I said yes please I definitely would like to do that and so that is what I'm doing if you go to the Unbound website and there'll be a link to this in the show notes you can find Mansplaining Masculinity over there and pre-order a copy of that book the way that this book is going to get made is by people like you pre-ordering it and pledging to it and people like you telling other people about it sharing it on social media recommending it to other people those kinds of things you can find out what the book is fully about by reading about it on the page there's a video of me in a purple dress and fedora with my childhood toy dolphin telling you about what the book is about But basically, Mansplaining Masculinity is about looking into myself and looking out at culture and thinking about how masculinity is constructed and created and how systematic elements contribute both to the ways that men are hurt by society, but also the ways that men hurt other people in society. It is not a book that says that men are the problem, but it is a book that will say that we can be part of the solution. And if you want to get an idea of what it's like before you pledge to it, you can listen to a podcast of the show that it's adapted from on the website mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk. And also there was an episode of BBC Radio 4's Forethought called Liberating Men, which was a reflection on an extension of the show. So... Listen to those shows, see if you like what you hear, and if you do, then please do support and pledge to make mansplaining masculinity happen. <laughs>